We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hell. Talking MMA today. If you guys haven't yet, go check out our boxing episode for this week. Recapped an amazing weekend of boxing. I was in New Jersey for the Shakur Stevenson fight. We talked Floyd exhibitions. What's next? What opponents he's going to have coming up? Joe Joyce craziness of the heavyweight division and already since then there's been so much trash talk in the boxing world that we have a ton to cover next week when we get to our boxing show so no slowing down even though this is an off weekend no boxing happening this weekend make sure you check out that show if you are new to listening to us we cover boxing pro wrestling and mma kind of sets us apart so every week you guys get three shows one for each of those sports and then we also mix in whatever's happening in pop culture, some hip-hop and music talk, and whatever crosses our crazy Twitter timelines, which you guys will find out today, because that is going to be the lead of our show. But later, on the MMA portion, you guys are going to hear about the upcoming UFC Fight Night card between Mackenzie Dern and Jan, which goes on Saturday night. Dre, you won't be there. I won't be there. Nobody will be there. Reportedly, it was bought out by a <laughs> by a, a very rich person, and no one else will be in attendance. So we'll talk about that here shortly. And then Dana White's Contender Series came to an end. We really haven't talked much about it. We actually got to talk a lot about it today because one Bo Nickel was on that and <clears throat> made one hell of a statement in his run on Dana White's Contender Series. So all of that to come in the MMA section. But like I mentioned before, sometimes we start these shows off outside of the world of combat sports. This is one of those days. Because your timeline, and at this point, you invite a lot of this in. <laughs> so it's, it's weird because you'll pose a question that's perfectly fine and fair and just question. And smart people don't respond to said question. Only weirdos. Yep. And stupidity comes at you after you pose these questions. So if you guys aren't on Twitter, if you don't follow Dre, you should at Andreas Hill on all platforms. 
he was talking about the Malika Andrews situation, which I hate the phrasing of that because there is no situation for Malika Andrews. The situation is with the Boston Celtics, their head coach, who they suspended. We've touched on this previously in the show. And then, furthermore, how journalists and shows cover this, specifically here to Stephen A. Smith, giving his take, which he teased and then had on first take, and Malika Andrews giving her opinion on that same show. And now it's being painted as Malika Andrews does not like black men. Someone called her the female Jason Witt. I mean, let's start from what it is. Obviously, you don't suspend it for the season for a relationship, basically violating team rules. They talk about this because the, the details were so murky about his involvement with said woman. Yep. Who is this woman? We don't know. Um, there's a lot of rumors in uh, uh, rumors and innuendo floating around about who it is, but it's never been. We just know Adoka is the one that's being penalized for this. So Stephen A. Smith has been doing Stephen A. Smith things, and I, I didn't think he was necessarily wrong because he kind of blasted the Celtics organization for how they handled this. Nothing wrong with that. They had Kendrick Perkins and Stephen A. Smith on. Malik Andrews was there. And they started to drift into a blind spot where they were questioning the woman who was involved. And Malika was like, wait, hold on. Slow that down. Do not start making a victim out of this woman because, one, we don't know who she is. We, they, the Celtics have already done a bad enough job making us question what woman. is. So every woman involved in the Celtics organization is beginning, basically, is it this woman? Is it this, is it this woman? Just like, let's not do that. Um, don't drift in the, in the blind spot. Stephen A. Smith barked at her. She didn't really bark back, but she's like, I said what I said. And that was the end of the segment. But it was like, Malika Andrews is crazy. Why would she go at Stephen A. Smith like this? Blah, blah, blah. Then the uh, interim head coach gets announced. She brings up his domestic abuse, his past from like 12 years ago. Some people thought that was out of line that she hates black men now. Because why would she do this? Well, the reason why she did it in my opinion, it's like whatever's going on with Adoka is clearly not just a relationship thing. It is also involving something else that has made this become a very sticky situation. And if you replace his domestic issue, whatever it is, I'm not saying it's violent, but whatever it is, with somebody with domestic violence in their past, it doesn't look too great. No. And the fact that she brought this up is not like she's lying. It exists. If it wasn't Malika Andrews, It'd be somebody else that brought it up. And now everybody says she's as bad as Sage Steele, another woman. I mean, I don't like Sage Steele either, but this, these two have nothing Apples to do. Apples and oranges. Yeah, completely different reasons why I don't like Sage Steele. Um, she's become Jason Whitlock, and she hates black men. They posted a picture of her and I guess her boyfriend, who was a white man, which now means that she hates black men. And I just got a problem because it's defend black women until it's time to defend a black woman. And in this sport, in sports in general, as you know, Kel, there are very few African-American women, as is, as is, across all sports. So the few that we have, once they have an opinion, black men get upset. So you see people on Twitter, like, she should be fired. Uh, She's out of line. And I'm like, fired for what? Upset's an odd word. Because, and I think you'd agree with this from what we see, they don't get upset. They get threatened. Well, yeah. That's where it starts. They're threatened 
by a black woman with a voice. I don't, and I don't get it. It's, it's not like Malika was, like, people on my timeline with the same really wild stuff. Oh, she's not going to fuck you, bro. What? Harry, dog, relax. <laughs> like, I, I don't want, it doesn't do with Malika Andrews. But the point is, like, I have an outspoken black woman as my wife. And I know plenty of men who don't like my wife speaking up. My wife speaks her mind. You know that. Like, <laughs> she is, she's very to the point. But she's she's passed two bar exams. She went to law school. She's she graduated magna cum laude. Of course, she's going to have a voice. And there are men who do not like that. Who yeah. be- truly believe a woman's place is in the kitchen or quiet, right? But just because Malik is doing her job, doesn't mean she should be fired. Or doesn't mean that she's a threat to you as a a man, especially if you're a black man. That's wild to me. As a black man, again, key point what you just said: doing her job. Dig into this. What is her job? Journalism. Broadcast journalism. That is her occupation. Yeah. To these people, her job, and this is something that, like, to me is definitely still fucked up in the community and everything, and and many communities, damn near all communities. And we see this throughout, whatever race you are. But I'm a black man. This is about a black woman. Her job, first and foremost, is the protection of the black man and the black household to these people. Yeah. Whether it's her household or not, or her black man or not. She doesn't have a black man, she has a white man. Doesn't matter. It's the protection of that is her first job. See it in many cultures. Shout out to Danny Acosta, reverse rap pack. He put it in like, yo, my Spanish family goes through this. Like, yeah, if I, I know Spanish side of family, you can't fuck with none of the girls in the family. Like, listen, you do wrong by one of them, all the uncles are pulling up. Everybody, yo, you got problems. But guess what? If her, if she gets married and her Spanish husband hits her, yo, that's in the house. No, that's that's closed door. The uncles ain't pulling, like, oh, everybody has that little secret in their family and blah, blah, blah. Why? And that same thing in the black culture. No, no, no. We're protecting our black women. Oh, okay, now there's a black man, black woman dynamic. No, no, no. Her job is to protect him. I feel like that's culturally, and we see this throughout. And it made me remember conversations we had on this show where I think, I mean, we've had this show for eight years, but it was either when Trump won or like he was running or something. And there was something done or said, might have been the grabber by the whatever line. And we're like, yo, all these women still support Trump. Yeah. It's ingrained in their culture. Yeah. To the point of, you don't give a fuck about women, but your job, first and foremost, is to protect your man. And if he supports him, you got to support him. Makes no fucking sense. And that's, that's an issue between men pushing that on women of all cultures. And we see that especially in sports. Like, yo... You can speak out. A lot of men just think, oh, you're a woman in sports? Cover WNBA. Cover women's soccer. Like, c- talk about women. But if you're coming to talk about men in sports, no, no, no. You can't say anything bad about those men. You can't say nothing bad about black men. But and the, it's, it's not being honest. It's not being human. And also, it's not doing your job. The crazy thing is, is what did she say that wasn't done? Right? Like, it wasn't like she was making things up. It wasn't like she was like, oh, Doka's raping bitches. Like, she didn't do that. She was basically just saying, 
be careful with women, the women that are involved in this, because when you start treading that line, like as to why didn't the woman get fired, we don't know what happened. Don't even ask that question. Because what's the point of you asking it when that person hasn't been, been named? But furthermore, Udoka's the head coach of the Boston Celtics, who is a season removed from the NBA Finals. This is why this is headline news. I know people are like, well, what about Brett Favre? They're talking about Brett Favre. But Brett Favre is not coaching a team that just went to the NBA Finals. He's a retired football player. And yes, they talked about on First Take Today, they've talked about on a bunch of shows about Brett Favre shouldn't even be in the Hall of Fame because of this. Yes. Because it took Ter- Terrell Owens so long because they kept saying his character is character. Brett Favre was robbing welfare yep. and redirecting welfare money. So yeah, he shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. Bye-bye, Brett Favre. But the Udoka situation is so murky because, one, it's salacious because it's, it's dating, relationships. Like, that's the crux of it, and we don't know what happened. We know what happened with Brett Favre. Yes, and we're learning more about that. Yes. <laughs> Every day we learn more about where this, how this money was redirected and just what a clown he is. But in the Udoka situation, Udoka's the one who fucked up. That's it. You broke team policy. And I've seen people on my Facebook that said, Oh, this happens at every job. Why is it his? Because he's in a high-ranking position. Yes. You can cheat on whoever you want. You can have, like, you can do it at any job you want, right? If you get caught, you get caught, you get fired. That's just the way it goes. If the policy says no inner office relationships, no inner office relationships. But if you're the head coach of an NBA Finals team and you get caught, you goddamn right. You're, you're the dumbest one in the room. You fucking up the bag. People acting like he worked at a call center. Right. He is not you and you are not him. My man was not like, a Bank of America. No, like this this is not acceptable in his level of profile. And everyone understands that. As you climb whatever level of life you are, there's not things that I can do now that I could do five years ago. No. It's just not is not feasible. And I'm nowhere near on that level. So it's just like you understand this. This is part of the job. It is part of the career. That is why they get paid so much. Exactly. It's not just because you know X's and O's better than Joe Schmo. It's because all of the responsibility that comes with the job. It's like when I wanted to go to school for medicine, and they were like, yo, do you know how much malpractice insurance is for doctors? I was like, yo, they're paying an arm and a leg for that yes. shit. I think I want to be a nurse, like a nurse practitioner, all this. Because, but doctors are doctors because of the responsibility, not just the years of schooling, the responsibility they have on a daily basis. So, you know, at these high ranking, high level jobs, you are held to a different standard. So he gets no excuse. He gets no pass. Replacing him with someone with anything questionable in their background. Again, I don't think the assistant coach shouldn't be an assistant coach. No, I'm not saying he should be fired. Nothing like that. I'm saying read the room. Be smart because you already look dumb on how you handled this. Be smart. You probably don't want to replace him with anyone questionable. Anything questionable in their background. And, and you want to act like she wants to hire. Now, furthermore, we have to address the power dynamic. Men are head coaches. Men are GMs. Men run the NBA, yep. right? So there is a power dynamic that it has to be addressed. Men run sports broadcasting. We are in a male-dominated industry. And for us to act like we're not is just as foolish as acting like racism doesn't exist, right? Like, there is a power dynamic at hand here. But let's just say, let's just say it was Becky Hammond. 
who was sleeping with or had a relationship with a whoever. Whoever. In the, but she's the head coach. The headline's not going to say the person that she slept with is Becky Hammond. Yep. Violates team policy. Why? Because she's the head coach. For them to act like that Malika Andrews did anything wrong by bringing this up or speaking out of turn to Stephen A. Smith. Like, who, Stephen A. Smith ain't her daddy? Like, what is that? That's weird. Because people do have, like, a weird admiration for, like, Stephen A. And, like, this is his show. How dare you do this? But it reminds me, Kanye West, college dropout, last track, it's family business. Yeah. Right? Like, people got mad. I'm not even sure that she brought it up and questioned it. It's where and how. You brought it up on the biggest show on this network. Yeah. Talking to two black men about black folks' business. Two, in their minds, these white folks. Like, how dare you lift the curtain on another black man in front of other people? Like, you talk about this off air. You talk about this between this between us. You telling family business. Like, no. Now, these you, these aren't... We ain't at the cookout. Like, oh, man. this is journalism. She is a journalist. You have this information. It is true. You say it. And again... What she did was check them before they drifted off into the blind spot. Because as men, it's just like when we talk about women's weight, or we talk about how a woman looks, like the way that we handle it, we have a blind spot. And sometimes yep. a woman has to be in the room. I say it all the time. There's got to be somebody in the room who's like, ah, don't do that. 100%. And that's exactly what Malika Andrews did. Ah, stop. I see where you're going with this. Even if you don't mean it, it's going to come off the wrong way. Cut it out. Stop. And then all these men got pissed off. Call for a job. Call for, and, they, and I was like, yo, Stephen A. Smith says wild shit. Wild shit. Max Kellerman had, che- had to check Stephen A. Smith on numerous occasions. Yeah. I don't, I've never called for Stephen A. Smith to get fired. No. It was just like, oh, he said something crazy. All right, well. He's had to apologize. Yeah. Publicly. Several times. So if anything, it's like, why would you call for Malika Andrews' job? And then you got to read the room when it comes to finding out who's on what side. When Jason Whitlock's on the side of getting her fired, you're probably on the wrong. You're side. on the wrong team. Yeah, you need to ask for a trade <laughs> or apologize. Say I need to go be back on the other squad. My question now becomes to you, and I'm not sure if this is going to happen or not. But does perk perk different? Perk might larger than this. Does Stephen A. And it's hard to say he owes anybody anything. In his position, seeing the backlash, the vitriol spewed at Malik Andrews, who's 27 years old, who's a bright, young black woman in this industry. Does he now owe it to come out on the show and say, stop this shit? Does he have to publicly defend her? Because privately defending something when it's on a public platform is not enough now. Does he, It's his show. He is the guy. We can talk, yo, we should protect black women. These people aren't protecting black women. This is his chance on his show to read all this. He on Twitter. It's on every major network. Does he have to come out? Should he come out and say, first thing on first take, stop this shit. She did nothing wrong. Leave her alone. It's a complicated one because if he was to do that, he could have done it. It would have needed to be done yesterday, right? Now, yeah, now it's too late. Now yeah. the, but now we see the build. Yeah. He didn't stop the snowball up top. Now it's an avalanche. No, and, it, and it, it's complicated in the sense that, well, if you address it now, it just picks up more momentum, right? 
because it sucks, man. I mean, yeah, you should, right? Like I would, but that's not, I don't have that platform. Yeah. So it's, it, I don't know how much he's paying attention. I think a lot of people, especially in this, in the case of Stephen A. Smith, don't <laughs> really understand what that man does. Like they see him on first take. He's like, ah, like they don't really understand how busy he is. And he's a good dude by all accounts. Yeah, but it's like, you don't understand how busy he is and how much they ask him to do. Yeah. Right? So, on a day-to-day basis, you know, he may be traveling for five, six hours. He may do first take. He has to do some recon before he shows up on these shows. He has to watch the games that he talks about. Nothing he does in the next three days is as important as this. No, no. But what I'm, saying is, what I'm saying is, I don't know how much he missed along the way. Yeah. Right? I'm, I'm sure they're briefing him now. Yeah, that, sure. Now it's become a thing. Yahoo wrote an article about it. Um, yeah. there's just articles about Malika Andrews in this situation everywhere. It, it's just crazy. Like, are we, why are we really talking about Malika Andrews? Like, it, I just don't understand the vitriol and hate towards black women. Black women are the most disrespected people on the planet, right? As much as black men want to say it's them, stop. It's black women. We had a black man president. We ain't had no black woman president. Black women are, they don't dominate much of anything. They're not the CEOs in positions. Like, they are the most disrespected women on the planet. Women get disrespected as it is. Yep. Black women are disrespected. So for y'all to come out here and, and like Jason Boy, like she didn't earn her job. Listen, you fat fuck. <laughs> for you to sit there and say, like for you to say what you say and your entire life is now made up of you slandering people who look like you, who earned what? Right? Like you used to be at the Kansas City Star an okay writer. Yep. But you made a career out of going after the woke culture. That's your entire career. And you're going to talk about a woman, about what she earned? You don't know her. Like, you got to stop it. I hate that motherfucker. But he don't know her from nobody. No, and, but, but that's what I'm saying. When he's saying it, and if you're in agreement with him, check yourself. Check yourself. But Malika Andrews has done nothing wrong. For her name to be plastered all over the media, there's nothing wrong. Circle all the way back. Depending on where this is at tomorrow, Stephen A. should say something. Anything. Just, like, that's my sister. Like, this is like our frat. Yeah. Like, ain't nobody going to get it. Like, and, and as they've said, when it was Skip and, and Stephen A. Smith, or when anybody's on that show, we family. We get over this shit. We, yeah. have, we disagree all the time. We don't have to have the same point of view. But for y'all to jump on her, like, I would never jump on her like that. Like, if me and you had a disagreement, we had plenty of them on this podcast, yeah. and people started coming at you and who you were, I'd defend you in a fucking heartbeat. It's not y'all place, listeners, to sit there and talk about my man like you know him. Yep. You don't know him, just like you don't know Malika. She's 27. Like, you know I don't the dumb shit I said on this podcast at 27? <laughs> I'm saying this woman has a job. So she's way better than I was. She, I think she's great. I've always thought she's great at her job. It, I don't understand why you can't praise a black woman without having to want to sleep with her. Like yeah. So many people on my timeline said that. I was like, really? <laughs> like, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all hate yourselves. The objectification. Of a black woman's body is a whole different podcast. That's, that's a whole that's other a, show. That's a whole different. Yo, I saw somebody was like, maybe, I saw show. somebody was like, maybe if she didn't dress like Rosa Parks, she'd be treated differently. And I was like, what do you? What are we talking about here? But, but if she went the we, other way, then what? Yeah, we have both been in the presence. You were a friend with Demetria. Mm-hmm. Exact opposite of this. Exactly. Caught mad shit for it. Yep. You so can't win. You can't win. <laughs> Where does it stop? Black women can't win. They can't. They can't. It, and it's just not good enough to be good at your job. You have to bow down and kiss the ring of every male in the room. That's crazy to me. I would never disrespect a woman like that. 
But y'all on my timeline talking about she's not going to fuck you, bro. You know, she hates black men. Like, how do you surmise that off of this? This is the craziest thing. Because she has a white boyfriend. I wish someone would. Anyone they would. listening to this podcast? My, my wife is white and Mexican. Looks white. I'll be damned. So I was like, yo, bro, you can't talk about this shit. You got a white wife. Excuse me? They'll try it. I, they, I, they, see, again. They'll try it. She's a better person than me. Because, and this is why she deserves everything she has in her spot where she's at. Because I would have acted a damn fool before ESPN could have even sent me an email. What? Oh. But I read comments. I do a lot of stupid shit that you probably shouldn't in a high profile like job. So, yeah, I would have, excuse me. No. And, and the last thing that we could talk about combat is like, I saw people was like trying to dig up the reasons why she's not good at her job. And then somebody pulled up her, and I think it was I mean, Mark Stein, we're talking about the Warriors not making the NBA Finals. Like, see, she's not good at her job. Do you realize how many times Stephen A. Smith has been wrong? Or how many times Skip Bayless was wrong about LeBron James? Or how many times Skip Bayless was wrong about Tim Tebow? Or how many times Dan Arlovsky was wrong about a quarterback situation? My and he's God. a damn NFL quarterback? Yeah. <laughs> and you're going to pick on Malika Andrews saying that the Warriors wouldn't make the NBA Finals last year? The only person that I remember... Picking the Warriors to go to the NBA Finals was Stephen A. Smith. Yep. And he carried that flag all, and he was right. Yeah. But do you know how many times he's been wrong? And for anybody to go, look, she was wrong. Everybody was wrong. Nobody picked the Warriors to go to the NBA Finals last year. No. The batting average for, like, hot takes is Joey Gallo on the Yankees. That's like, like it's as, as the human hot take machine. I've, oh I've been God. wrong many, many times. Bro, they, dude, at the beginning of last season, a vast majority of every, I do this every year. I read everybody's picks. I'm, I'm fascinated about this yeah. stuff. Who did everybody pick to go to the finals last year? Lakers. The Lakers and the Nets. Yep. Everybody picked the Lakers and the Nets, except for Stephen A. Smith. Everybody was wrong. Malika Andrews saying the Warriors not making the finals. That's the that's what you're gonna say is she's not good at her job. Clay wasn't healthy. Wiseman didn't play still. And they but like, who on, knew guys? Jordan Poole was gonna go crazy? I mean, it's like it's like <laughs> me, I'm a White Sox fan. Of course, I thought the White Sox were gonna win the Central this year. Yeah. Most people had the Guardians in last place. They're going to the playoffs. Yeah. Does that mean I'm bad at my job? No. The Guardians were selling people before the season. I, I, that's what I'm saying. Everybody <laughs> talked about what they were gonna do, but you can't say somebody's bad at their job for a bad prediction. People are predicting that Joe Burrow was going to be the MVP this year. He's getting crushed in Cincinnati. I drafted him in every fantasy league. <laughs> Come on. That don't mean she's bad at her job. Y'all are stupid, dog. Because y'all have worse takes than her, but because he's on TV, you want to be mad. That's the key. There's no accountability. It's also why people get paid more money. Bring this full circle. Everyone feels they can do the job. The people who do get paid very well because not only do they do it, but the level of accountability they have when they do it. If she has a take, she has to stand on that forever. I just saw Colin Cowherd clip on Twitter crushing Lamar Jackson. It's like he's not Drew. Uh, who is it? Like he's not uh, Rosen. He's not. Um, oh, during the NBA draft? During the NFL draft. Oh, yeah, I'll be mean, NFL yeah, draft. Uh, yeah, he he's not Sam the- Darnold. Yeah. He's not Rosen. Oh, no, Lamar, that's a fire. He's supposed to drop. Right. Crushed him. And now people bringing that up for Coward. And MVP later, a season right now that's crazy, 
in three games. Man's fifth in the NFL in rushing. Probably going to, might win another MVP this year. Possible. Very possible. Could have two MVPs by the age of 25. Coward got to stand on that shit for the next 20 years. Yeah, he said it. So? So? Like, <laughs> like that, so what? He gets paid very well to stand on that take. Shannon Sharp says Sam Darnold was going to be the best quarterback out of that draft. That didn't work out very no. well. And he'll stand there. He's like, yeah, I said it. I was wrong. But yeah. then nobody calls for his job. I'm just done with how men treat women in this industry. Like, Because you can't just be good. You have to be perfect. And there's nobody that's perfect. Because your ass ain't perfect. If you were, you'd be on TV. Relax. <laughs> Far from it. Far from it. Uh, barbershop All-Stars. Gotta love it. Twitter's full with them. Let's transition, if we can, to combat sports. That is what we're here to talk about. Before we get into the UFC Fight Night card this weekend, headlined by two women. One thing I often like the UFC that they do. They do give women headlining spots without hesitation. And pretty, pretty solid card for this weekend. As we ramp up, getting ready to go to Abu Dhabi. Still putting on very good competitive cards. This was the finale week of Dana White's Contender Series. Highlighted by the second fight this year on a Contender Series by super prospect Bo Nickel. Yep. All everything, Mr. Wrestling at Penn State. Arguably the, the best collegiate wrestler of all time. Just pound for pound. Like, there have been greats. This kid was great the moment he stepped on campus. Transitioning to MMA. Not going the Gabe Stevenson route, like pro wrestling and WWE, but you probably could. He wants to test himself and by all accounts looks amazing. Won his first contender series fight in a minute and 16 seconds, I believe. This one didn't last that long. Under a minute, 52 seconds. People are scared to death of his takedowns. And these guys still can't defend. First question, performance aside, Bo Nickel's the best prospect since who? See, it's weird. UFC prospect. I can't count Bellator because well, Aaron Bar- Pico was. Aaron Pico was the, the blue chipper at Bellator. Aaron Pico, Ed Ruth, AJ McKee. Like, they had a bunch of them. And yeah. They all Half fell apart. Played. Yeah, except for AJ, who finally lost. And but, Pico looks great. Yeah, now he had to figure it out. But uh, what the fuck happened to Ed? He lost. He lost in the welterweight tournament. He's, well, I think he's been 50-50 lately, but nothing great. So, Bo Nickel. It's, it's weird because we didn't really have, like, you would look at maybe the ultimate fighter yeah. in terms of prospects. And Some of those guys had careers. That's what I'm saying. Like, fighter, but, like yeah. he's 2-0. and no. Like, he, this is his first two MMA fights. I don't think we've seen somebody quite like this. And it's one of those things where you go, well, he's different because... That wrestling background, but if you watch what he did in those fights, it's not the win. It's the how he's winning. Yep. It's always how he's winning. It's like this last fight. He fought a guy who was 7-1 on the regional scene. All accounts a tough dude. Caught him with a punch immediately. Yep. And, and the ground game was so slick how he transitioned from armbar to triangle, like rolled him over and submitted him. I'm like, that's scary because he, he didn't even rely on his wrestling. No. It was straight grappling. It's just 2-0. Two, two so I don't think we've had a guy who was 0-0. Like, it's supposed to be like Sage Northcutt, right? Like, that was supposed to be the guy. That <laughs> yeah. didn't pan out. No. But if you have a wrestling base, you have an opportunity to be that guy. And I think Bo Nickel is... 
He's probably one of the best process. I'm, I'm not going to go as far as Kevin Aoli on Yahoo and saying he's the next LeBron of MMA, which no. is utterly ridiculous. I love Kevin, but cut it out with the hyperbole. Yes. Um, I understand based on amateur accolades yeah, going yeah. into the pro, but it's still very. Like, come on, man. Relax. Yeah. But I think, I think Bo is, he's going to be a problem. The other question was, I, you remember when he had his first fight and everybody was like, why didn't you give him a contract? I think I even said that. Then I yep. thought about it. And I was like, oh, I know why they didn't give him a contract. Because they're not giving him a contender's contract. He's not getting a 12 and 12 contract. He's getting that Sage North cut. Yeah. That, that, that much bigger contract. And it makes sense because if you have Bo Nickel kick off contender series and they're like, well, why bury him on some fight night card or a pay-per-view? Yeah. We can have him headline another contender series card where he's now the spotlight, ends up being talked about on Sports Center three nights in a row before the fight, blows this guy out. And they already have him set for another fight. He's fighting in Vegas in December. He's in the video game already. Like, this dude, like, they played this right. I, at first, I was like, yeah, he should have gave him a contract. But I was like, no, nah, he's already got a contract. They're yeah. just, they just giving him some more shine. That's they closed all. the year pretty strong in terms of contender series as close as you get to reality television and combat sports. Yeah. Because Rivas headlined the week before, won, looked great. Uh, 17-year-old kid. Yeah. 17. Went the distance. Great story. Captured headlines with that. Youngest fighter to ever sign to the UFC. Yeah. And then you follow it up with both. So that's two weeks on a Tuesday that you grab random headlines. And you really have shit that was going on. No, they did it right. And uh, to uh, the, the, pro- the best prospect out of the contender series was Sean O'Malley. Yes. So, Entering, I had no clue it would be Sean O'Malley. No, nobody did. Took the world by storm. Like, you go watch the contender series, like, that's Sean O'Malley. He didn't have the colorful hair. Yeah. He just looked like a skinny dude. He looked like Chase Hooper's little brother. Yeah. Right? Or big brother. Whatever. They were both skinny as hell. But once he stepped in there, you're like, oh, this kid. Oh, he's got hands. And then Snoop on the call was. Yeah. So, so was good. O'Malley was probably the, the guy out of contender series. But I think Bo Nichols, like, he's just a different level. Yeah. To me, and again, guys had careers beforehand. Um, But coming into the UFC, like, Straight prospect, Uriah Hall, I would say. Yeah, he was a prospect coming in. Yeah. He wasn't a finished product. He was on just like straight regional scene shit. No. He beat Weidman yeah. on a regional scene. And Weidman was like. I mean, he was the most hyped guy. Yeah. To ever come like, out of those Ultimate Fighter. He just flamed the fuck out. Yeah. And then that kick and everything. He was coming into the Ultimate Fighter like, yo, this guy beat Chris Weidman. Like, Weidman at that point was damn near going. On his path to Anderson Silva. I was like, yo, this guy beat him. You know, so it's, it's one of those where it's like, this is probably the most hype I've seen for someone since that in the UFC. So I, I think Bo, again, with his base, with wrestling, the athleticism is uber present. The way that he faints sends up those shots, the punches, the the ability to take people down and close the distance and take people down. And I, I don't want to say this is what he's going to grow into and in anything, but stylistically, it's very Habib-like. And American wrestlers over time have shown the ability to develop insane knockout power because yeah. of their base. Yeah. Like, and, and knowing how to transition and roll your hips and throw power punches. If he gets anywhere near Gaethje-level power... Anywhere near big rig power, Woodley power. Like, I go down collegiate decorated wrestlers who got power 
if he gets anywhere near there, he's scared. So all the UFC really has to do is slow play. And what I mean by that is... <laughs> Called out Hamza. <laughs> I know. And you got to wait. Hold on. Slow down. Like, you, hey, hey. Even if you could, maybe. But why, why do we need to burn that out now? Right? Funny. Yeah, like, but right now, it's, you, you do your two contender fights, you get a fight at UFC, was at 282? 282, You get that fight. He's the first fight announced tonight. Who is he fighting again? He's fighting somebody that needs to win. I can't remember who it is. But you fight early next year, you fight on the main card. You, let me think. They'll probably, I'm just guessing. You know, who, put you, him as the headliner. You know who was, on the free ESPN. Who was their guy? Greg Hardy. <laughs> Greg Hardy they guess. tried it with him. They did the same thing. He fought twice on the Contender Series. Really didn't have much of a background, right? So, but it was very similar. Very similar, but Greg Hardy fight. Um, <laughs> he's facing Jamie Pickett. By the way, that's yeah. who it is. Jamie Pickett. Jamie Pickett needs a win. He's yeah. not going to get it, but uh, he's not bad. No, he's not bad it, at it's all. One hell of a test, but. There's, Dana said it. There's no soft touches in the UFC. There's not. So it, it's hard to bring in someone who's 2-0. The complicated thing is, like, I wouldn't want them to O'Malley Bo Nickel. Like, Sean O'Malley's getting a shot against Peter Yan, which is still I, it's the most bizarre thing to me. When Pedro Munoz and, and Cheetah Vera and all those guys still exist. And, like, for real? I don't want them to do that to Bo. Bo's only had two fights. Give him, let him get some fights. Give him, not squash matches, but... Slow play him up the ladder. Yeah. Uh, you know, you fight 15, then you fight 10, then you fight 7, then you fight 3, then you fight for the title. Something like that. If you move him too fast, it's, it's inevitable that he may get caught by somebody. Especially in the middleweight division as Alice Perea, Israel Adesanya, seemingly Hamza Kamaev. The, the striking Whittaker. level is yeah, like he's got a, drastically. He's a, and as I always say, I don't know how he's going to react when he gets punched in the mouth. It hasn't happened yet. You got to get punched in the mouth. We had to see Hamza get punched in the mouth. Repeatedly. Gilbert Burns punched him in the mouth a lot. Yes. And then I was like, all right, he's for real. Yep. People wanted him to mow Gilbert Burns down. I was like, nah, I want to see what happens when he has to deal with some resistance. And we haven't seen Bo do that yet. Maybe we'll see that in December. But dudes, the dude's on the path. MMA is just such a wildly unpredictable sport, though. Bo could be that guy and then just get slept in a fight. Yeah. I mean, look <laughs> just, at O'Malley. O'Malley. Just jumped to fighting this upcoming month, the former champion yeah. who just lost. Fighting Yan, arguably the strongest guy in the Bantamweight division. And if he wins that shit, you're like, well, like, what is Sean O'Malley? Like, MMA is wild. It's a weird sport. To that, that point where you, you mentioned it, Alex Pereira, like, three fights in the UFC? Yeah. He's in the title shot. Like, I mean, the only thing he's a grown ass man, though. He had so many years of combat experience. Like, he's been punched in the face. Right. He's been doing, he did glory. Like, he's, like, Asprey has been around a long time. Yeah. So, I understand that. And he beat the champion. Yeah. Bo, you just got here. Literally two fights on the contender series. That's all you got. Everyone else has been punched in the face somewhere. And it it was funny looking at, uh, I believe it was Mark Ramondi's interview with Jorge Masvidal. Earlier this year, where Masvidal was like talking about how Bo Nichols basically ragdolling his ass in the gym yep. before Bo was really on the scene or even like known, but he was like just talking about it. Those training camp stories are real. People don't really lie about getting beat up in camp. No. And Masvidal, a guy with that much chutzpah, 
would be the last one to be like somebody beat my ass in camp. He was like, Bo Nickel was kicking my ass. Yep. And now he's a pro. So that dude's a problem. I I see I saw people upset about I hate how that he's at one one eighty five. One seventy would be so great for him. Like I I I'd like one eighty five because we need some new juice there. At some point where Adesanya, Perea, they're about to fight. Robert Whitaker's still hanging around. Yeah. Hamzat looks like if he moves 85 instead of staying at 70, he's got a date probably with Boracina with Paulo Costa. And then it's like, after that, middleweight's kind of weak. Yeah. It won't take too long for Bo Nickel to, to run up that ladder. Damn, him versus Colby. Yeah, he might be drag amazing. Colby. <laughs> I don't know. Colby, there's levels to this wrestling show. There is, but so like, yeah, like you'll have to see when you look at it. It's it's going to be interesting. So that's the first fight announced for the Vegas card. That Vegas card is uh, going to be a fun one, I'm sure. And then this weekend's card, though, I figure we just give a couple of predictions. How about we just talk about this is what slavery is, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's they, uh, it's questionable. Let me explain this for people who don't understand. This is basically a lights out card. No media, no fans. It's been reported by the time this show is out, maybe we'll learn more. Mark Zuckerberg seemingly has bought out the UFC Apex and is hosting, is having the card for him and I guess his friends. No one really knows because like there's reports that could be like some metaverse shit. Whatever it is, whatever it is, imagine Mark Zuckerberg going to the Lakers like you play for me tonight. Just buy every ticket to the Staples? Just buy us out. You call us Genie Bus. It was like, I, I own Staples, no fans, no media. You, you play can do for that me. that shit for Disney World though, all the time. But that's Disney. Six Flags. I'm talking about. I mean, you know how hard it is to buy out Disney World? I'm sure. I'm just saying, Zuckerberg is like buying a team is like, you're playing for me tonight, right? Now, in the case of this UFC card, you buy the arena, not the team. Well, He's bought out whatever is going on in the arena, which means the fighters as well. Because now they have no fans. Mackenzie Dern addressed it like, fuck, I'm fighting in front of Mark Zuckerberg. I don't even know who's going to be there. No media. No media? I guess they don't want Zuckerberg getting asked. Nobody wants to ask Mark Zuckerberg a question. Put him in like a bubble or some shit. Nobody cares. But here's my point. I guarantee you, nobody on that car is getting a bump in pay. No, because you, you don't pay... Again, I use my Six Flags and Disney analogy. If someone buys out Disney or Six Flags, you buy out the amusement park. That doesn't mean the ride operator gets a bump. Well, the ride operator is not an independent contractor. The ride operator is paid by Disney, right? I mean, if everyone was like, yo, we're walking (laughs) and we don't got a card. Unless you pay us each 10%, 50% more. Look. They'd be in a pickle. That's, this is what I'm saying. It's like they're, they're bought out the, the apex for these fights who now they don't get to speak to the media. They don't have fans. It's for a guy. Like if I go to your plantation and was like, I want all your cotton. And like, well, I'm buying all your cotton. I'm not, I'm buying, not even buying your cotton. I'm overseeing your, your plantation today. And I'm paying the slave owner. If slaves ain't getting a bump and pay, they got to go do what they were doing already. And I'm, I, I am sure. Mark Zuckerberg paid maybe quadruple the price of whatever they're selling them tickets for at the Apex? Yeah. All together? Oh, hands down. Right? So whatever this it is. This is easily the highest grossing gate in UFC Apex. This is going to be nuts. But the fighters are like, they're left in the dark. They don't know what's going on. They're, they're left to guess what, what is happening here. And now it's like, oh, we're, 
It's like a show. We're putting on a show for him. Yeah, it's a private show. He definitely paid like eight times over face value. There's that story of Vince McMahon not knowing how much milk costs. Yes. You could charge Zuckerberg anything. He don't care. He's like, well, I got it. He doesn't know like the the value of real shit anymore. I, I listen, I, I just know. threw a number out, like hundred thousand to rent out this whole thing. Done. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was like several million. I'm oh, sure right. I'm, I'm sure he paid for it. But again, like an apex? Yes. Whatever he's planning to do, it, it's not cheap. I've seen a gate at the MGM. Grand Garden Arena hit 3.2 million. People were ecstatic. Yeah, no, I, I'm sure he paid like a half, at least a half a million. People. All right. But I'm just saying, like, that's that's a good night at like a real ass arena. Yeah, but that's you're like going to Nashville. They, you know, they charge like $1,000 a ticket for those packages at the Apex, right? Yeah. Those VIP experiences, which again, it doesn't equate to half a million dollars. But when you're buying out the venue and you say no media, Dana was like, I gave you guys a night off. This is our job. You're not giving us a night off. We still got to work. What are you yeah, talking about? I still got to watch this damn thing. I just can't go to it. Like, whatever you're doing, it might be cool for you or whatever, but it's just like. So there's no post-fight presser. There's nothing. Well, they got on-air shit. So, like, they'll talk. You'll get quotes. Yeah, I'm sure you'll get commentary. Yeah, you get. Um, Somebody's got to talk. In the octagon, the same. Like, hey, who do you sure, want? Sure, but it's just weird because it's, it's, this is like. Olivi. No, Megan, they don't allow Olivia. If he, Megan doesn't go in the octagon. No, no, not in the octagon. I'm talking like a oh, yeah, yeah. We'll backstage see. shit. Like, yeah, she'll do. I'm sure she'll do that. Somewhat media. But, but, but that's employees of the UFC. Yes. Basically. But this is just crazy to me because I'm like, no, no media. It's like you're blacked out the event. All right. And Terrence McKinney had brought this up recently. He was like, oh, we got the Rock shoes. Like the Rock cut a deal with the UFC. Now we have to wear his shoes. We're not getting anything for this. There is no fighters union that says we deserve 20% of whatever deals that you strike. There's no collective bargaining agreement. That's the problem. So whatever. It's a league and they are not like league. Exactly. So, so Dana was like, I'll sell to Zuckerberg for a billion dollars. It's a pure profit because the yep. fighters still get paid 12 and 12. If that for, <laughs> for this card. <laughs> My God. Someone might be on a six and six. That's old school MMA. That's that's Invicta money. That's sad. Let's see. You never know. Uh, let's talk about a couple of fights here. We have a guest on our show coming up here in a second. Trevin Joe. He fights third to last card um, versus Roni Barcelos. Trevin's coming off two losses. Both of them are coming off two. Both. It's going to be an interesting fight. Should be fun. Bantamweight division. You know where I always go. Always pick the guest. Trevin got to come through. But he has a couple catchweight fights, some late notice fights. This is a full-ass camp. I think he can do it. I mean, I'll pick him as well. Barcelos was a prospect at one point. He lost two in a row. This is a weird card because you got like Sadiq Youssef is on the card. Alexi Olenek versus Ilya Latifi is on the prelims. Which what? I don't, which I don't even know what a prelim is for a show that's completely blacked out. But I don't know. Whatever. But Latifi, Olenek... What, it's just a pretty damn good fight. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Penny is on the prelims as well. It's whatever. Brendan Allen's on the prelim it's, it's, versus Joko. Yeah, it's it's not a bad card, I guess. Prelims I don't know. It's damn near better than the main card. Zuck- Zuckerberg just pulled up and was like, you got a fight this week? I'll buy it. <laughs> it's like, I'm in town. You watch anyone fight. Imagine somebody did that to Floyd Mayweather. I'm going to buy your whole card. 
He'd be like, where do I sign? No, it's Floyd, all about the money. Floyd would be like, no. How much of a cut am I getting? Like, you couldn't go above. You couldn't go above. No, no, no. They just pay Floyd. Yeah. None of the other fighters would get any. <laughs> it's probably Floyd true. would do the same business. Like, where, where do I sign? Yes. Uh, Randy Brown versus Francisco Trinaldo. Trinaldo's like 7,000 years old, but he's not really. He's only like 44. Um, only 44? He, dude, he looks like he's 70. At least. Like, <laughs> above 70 years old. Him and Yoel Romero. <laughs> May fight until they're 60. Yo, they may be 60. Did you see Yoel murder Marvin Manhoff? Oh, my God. Just, that's ground and pound. From, like, oh, man. Woo. Manhoff was like, yeah, this is my last fight. It was like, all right, cool. We're going to feed you to Yoel Romero. And he's like, this is not my last. Stop. This, <laughs> you, this is my, my, might be my last fight on earth. Oh, my God. They got that man murdered. The ground and pound was crazy. The celebration afterwards. A, yelling into the camera. He's a scary guy. Anyway. Forty four um, years old. I'll pick I'll pick Francisco Trinado. It seems like he wins these kind of fights. Um even though Randy Brown is won three in a row, Trinado's not an easy out. So I, I'm gonna just pick Trinado here. I have no idea what's gonna happen because Trinado's won two in a row. And Trinado, again, he could be seventy years old. He could just be hitting his stride. I have no idea where he's at fit <laughs> physically. I have no clue. Um Randy Brown's winning this. Too many things to overcome. 6'2". At welterweight is crazy. It is. So 6'2", 78-inch reach, 8-inch reach advantage over Chinaldo. That's like, there's a lot of shit for Chinaldo to overcome, let alone father time. Sooner or later. So give me Randy Brown in that one. Main event, Mackenzie Dern uh, versus Jan. I'm not going to try. But Jan's great. Dern seems to like slip up in these like high profile fights. But Jan's coming off a loss to Marina Rodriguez, Carlos Sparza. That's two straight losses for her. Before then, she was rolling. I- I'm going to say she wins this one. I-, I don't know. I don't like Mackenzie Dern in these high profile fights. I'm picking Mackenzie Dern. I think she has to figure it out. I think Jan, coming off of the, uh, the loss to Marina Rodriguez was a split decision that could have easily went her way. Yeah. It's not, this is not casting any doubt on Jan's ability. But I think Mackenzie Dern has started to figure out the striking department. The ground game she's also got. Also lost to Marina, though. Yeah. but That was one hell of a fight. I think Mackenzie's she's figuring out the striking part. And once she figures out the striking de- department, everybody's fucked in that division. Because <laughs> you can't touch the ground. No, you can't touch the ground with it. And the other thing about her ground game, if you've watched it, it is starting to mature where it is, you could tell at some point she was rushing into submissions. Now she's playing the longer game, working, you know, working fight her opponents over. I think she's going to have a, a, one of her best performances and really make a statement as a title contender. If you could tell me that the ground game, the, the hands are catching up to the ground game, sure. I think the hands, I mean... If you watch her in her last couple of fights. She's not getting knocked out. She can no. go the distance, defend herself, strike. It's just my thing with jujitsu people is still my thing with her. There's no natural takedowns. No. So your hands got to get not just good enough to defend yourself. They have to get good enough to drop someone. And then you get to work and you tap them out. I'm not sure if she's there. Yet, in terms of development, because she's not shooting for singles or getting people against the cage and dragging them down. 
No, but what you'll do is if you use your strike in the close distance, you take him down from the clinch. Or you back him up against Cage, you pull him you off pull the cage. Him down, yeah. Like if, if if she has that part figured out, everybody's in trouble. Yeah. Like Damian Maya became a better wrestler as time went on. Mm-hmm. Charles Oliveira is just completely different. Uh no, at this point, either he gets hurt or he hurts you. Yeah. Sooner or later, y'all both go into the ground and you're done. And Duran Duran was like, he's got the best jujitsu in MMA. And she's not wrong. Because no. <laughs> like as much as you could talk about Brian Ortega, as much as you could talk talk about you could just run down the list. Um, Gilbert Burns, Reno, like what Charles does on the ground is. With, Aljo's what, game is sick. Aljo's up there. Me and Dean Thomas were talking about this. Aljo might be the second best grappler in MMA. Yeah. The reason, yeah. The reason why I say Oliveira is number one is because he doesn't blow it. Like if he gets you, you're done. He has functional jujitsu. Yeah. Aljo will catch you with some rear. Real weird. Same thing. Ortega. They'll catch you with some real weird shit, but they're also going to catch you in like eight things before then. Yeah. But what, no, like, yeah, it's one and done. But what makes Oliver? Yeah. With Charles, it's like, if he's going for it, you're done. Right? Like, even Brian Ortega, when he fought Alexander Volkanovsky, when he talks about the guillotine finish, if you listen to him, he's like, he made a mistake. He's very, he's like, I blew it. Like, there was this, and us to the naked eye, we don't know, but he knew. Yeah. And that was this is what me and Dean Thomas were talking about. He was like, he knew. And, it like, and I saw it. But the naked eye doesn't know what he's doing. He's like, Charles Oliveira, it's so sound that once you're in that spot, it is over. And there's nothing you can do about it. No. And he's like, Gilbert Burns is like the same way. If he gets you in a spot, you're done. He's like, Ortega's great. He's like, Aljo is very close to that. Like, if Aljo gets you in a spot and starts fishing for something, you're, you're kind of cooked because he's going to get you. But... Oliveira has offensive jujitsu and defensive jujitsu, where it's like you're screwed either way. And then he strikes. And that's where Mackenzie Dern comes into play. Mackenzie has offensive jujitsu, defensive jujitsu, but she doesn't have, she hasn't figured out the striking portion to utilize that jujitsu. Like it, like Oliveira does very crafty things. Like he does this this hip switch where he like he shut he shuffles off of your hip and gets to your back. It's something that a lot of fighters are using now, but he made it an offensive move. If Dern gets that in their game, these fighters are screwed. And then you look at Aljo with the leg kicks. Yeah. And then you realize, like, yo, if you leg kick, leg kick, leg kick, you're so worried about that, you're not stopping me from shooting. Aljo is the most disrespected champion in the UFC by a country. I hope, I like, I'm, this is, (laughs) look, I hope he mows down TJ Dillashaw. Just because I want people to be quiet. Because DJ's like, he's no good. He's no good. He's like, dog. Look, Aljo, it was no fault of Aljo's. He got kneed in the face in this fight. No. This was all Petr Jan's fault. Yeah. It was all his fault. And you was like, and people were like, oh, pussy, why don't you continue? You get kneed in the face. And it wasn't like Jan did it by accident. He just drilled him. Yeah, that was purposeful. His corner was yelled like, him. Yeah, it was like, oh, what are you doing? And then people were like, oh, he, you know, he got it the bitch way. But then what happened in the rematch? He won. Yep. And people still won't give him the respect. Not he beat Petr Jan. He beat him. Now people are like, oh, no, T.J. Dillashaw. T.J. Dillashaw? The man was on everything. Right. The, the man, that guy? I got to see you. I got to see a clean T.J. Yeah, like, dog, I hope, I hope Aljo Whatever beats Whatever that him. looks like. And I just, you know, then from that point, I want to figure out, you still mad? You still don't like him? Still mad, bro? Yeah. Right. Yeah. They don't like him after that one. So, I can't wait. This is going to be a good card this weekend. We'll be watching from home. No one's allowed. Nobody's allowed. 
But we'll see how everything plays out. Rolling through the month for the UFC, getting closer and closer to this pay-per-view that is stacked. What up, everybody? As promised, we are with our guests for this week. The UFC's Trevin Jones fighting this weekend, taking time out of a busy fight week to chill and chop it up with us. Trevin, thanks for coming through. We appreciate you. Uh, the beanie's a, a a true flex right there because I feel like it's 100 degrees outside. So a man rocking a beanie in 100 degrees means business. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Trap five star oh. Jones Sorry, guys, I couldn't hear you guys for a second down the end. Um, I had to kick my friend out because <laughs> his phone nah, was loud. No problem. No problem at all, man. We're excited to talk to you getting into this week, right? So you're coming off of a loss, getting looking to get right back on track. But we've seen you. Your UFC debut is great. Looks spectacular. Is there something now, like, coming? Because your losses, honestly, came right pre-pandemic. And then post-pandemic, there wasn't a lot of opportunity to fight like usual and to stay active. Do you feel like this is a chance for you to get back on the road, get rolling, get a couple of wins? Because before you were very active. Yes, um, this is definitely a good opportunity for, for me. Um, It's actually a pretty big name. And, you know, the bigger the name, the better the opportunity. You know, a lot of guys don't see it like that. Um, A lot of guys want to just pick and choose. I know this, this is our job and I know we need to get paid. But eventually, you got to run into these monsters. So I feel the sooner as you run into these monsters and get them out of the way, then you're only left with, with, with regular opponents after that. So, you know, um, my mindset's a little bit different. I never really had the easy road. Um, fighting all the way from Guam to get here was very tough. Um, I've, I've Most of my fights was on three weeks' notice. Um, I was never tied to any organization. So they would only call me when someone else pulled out to fill in last minute. So I was used to fighting a lot of last minute and trying to stay ready. Yes, it was tough, man. Yes, some of the weight cuts went bad. Yes, a lot of things went wrong. But um, I look at this as, as, as like I came up, man. Came up, I was hungry. I wanted it enough to, to get it done, no matter how tough the opponent was. And, you know, every fight, we got to go out there. We got to perform. We have to shine. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very healthy for this fight. I'm happy on that. And... Yes, man, it's an opportunity for me to get back in the win column like any other fight, man. And it's a big, it'll be a big win, too. It won't be just a regular win where everyone's like, oh, I know you're going to win. This is a this is a nice win for me. Yeah, I mean, the opponent, uh, Ronnie Barcelos, you know, he was a guy who had a nice little impressive winning streak. He's lost two in a row, but he's got three fight of the night bonuses. He comes to fight. You come to fight. I mean, both of y'all need this win, right? So I, we could fully expect as fans to watch this fight that, it's going to be a hell of a fight. I know you want to make short work of the, the guy. I mean, everybody does, but I feel like we're about to get a banger, a possible fight of the night possibility, right? Yeah, it should be. It should be. It can be a nice stoppage. It could be anything, man. Um, I know I, I'm preparing. I prepared correctly for him. I know how dangerous he is. I know how tough he is. Um, So, yeah, I prepared myself correctly for a banger. Um, A banger will be good for you guys, but, you know, I'm looking for a nice stoppage in any way. Um, so yeah, man, I, we just got to go out there and feel them out and see how it goes now. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm healthy for this fight. 
So I'm ready to go. He comes to fight. I'm coming to fight. It's going to be a nice one for sure. Like just the anticipation of it. I know a lot of people have been telling me they want to see it. Yeah, it's definitely a, a crowd favorite fight. Definitely. Love the matchup. And you mentioned your help twice now, right? Is it comforting coming into a fight knowing that it's going to be at 135? There's no catch weight this time. Two of what your three UFC fights have been catch weights so far. Like you mentioned fighting on so short notice a couple of times. No, just like, one. Are you happy? Just um, one was catch weight. My opponent missed weight. Uh, oh, yeah. So he missed weight, so. weight. He was four pounds right. overweight. So I hope still they don't took it. for that. Like when I spoke to Sean, he specifically said this fight don't matter. So yeah, I am coming off two losses, but I hope um they know I take the hard fights, man. I take the fights. I say yes. I take the risks and you have to see some value in that also. Um, of course, we all need the wins, but I could have easily walked away with my money in that Karkamana fight and not even fought him coming in four pounds overweight. I was on my third weight cut from being in a bubble, so I really didn't get to train much for that three weeks because I was in a bubble three times because I had five different opponents for that camp. Mm. And so it was just a tough situation for me, man. That's how the cookie crumbled. It was tough for me. Um, I ended up losing my friend that very same night. So it got even rougher than it was. But, you know, I'm here to make that all up on, on Saturday night. I got a tough opponent in front of me. And um, to to put him away, we'll just knock all that out of the way. Yo, let me ask you this, man, because, you know, we just found out a day ago. As we're recording this, we'll probably find out more details. that There are going to be no fans. There's going to be no media at this fight. So you're coming into a fight. There aren't going to be, isn't going to be anybody there except for us watching on TV. When did you find out that this was going to be no media and no fans? And that, does that change anything for you? I just found out yesterday. I found out from some media yesterday that there's going to be no one in the audience for this particular fight. I heard it was bought out. Um, I don't know if it's safe to say the name that bought it out, so I won't say it, but I heard someone bought out the whole event. So I think there is going to be fans. I think there's going to be fans. But it's just not going to be regular fans that are able to buy those expensive <laughs> Apex tickets. It's going to be like fans that company fans, you know, of of, mm. of the event that bought out the arena. Because why would you have no fans? Of course, the UFC will want to make some type of money on it. So yeah, it got bought out, I heard. And I think there's going to be some type of fans, just no media and no one that's really able to cover it uh, the proper way. Like, so for your last, let me see, it's been four fights you fought at, you fought at the Apex, you fought in Vegas. I know you wanted to get in front of a crowd. This guy, is there a part of you that's like, damn, man, I want like a real live ass. Yeah, crowd I was for barking fight. for a crowd for a long time. I asked Sean when they matched me and Ronnie up first. I said, okay, me and Ronnie, that's a good crowd fight. Like, put us at, we wanted to be on the, the August card. Was it, who was it? Who fought in August? Was it Usman? Yeah, Salt Lake. Yeah, that's what I was aiming for. I wanted that card. I begged him, I asked him for that card. He, he didn't give me that card, but I said, okay, that's coming off a loss. I guess you don't get to say much, you know? It's all cool. I guess I got to go out there and just whoop on this next guy, and then maybe I get to say the next one. But, yeah, of course I wanted a card, man. I feed off the card, off a crowd, and I've been a crowd guy. Like, it's crazy when you've been, like, a crowd guy, you get energy off that. There's definitely different types of fighters. Some might get weaker off that. But a crowd will get me stronger. I had so many family coming to Vegas when I was fighting at the Apex, and they wanted to be at my fights, but they couldn't be at my fights. And so even them yelling my name and yelling me to go extra, that's extra fuel to me. That's how I grew up fighting so, or came up fighting. So, um, yeah, it is it is what it is. But, yeah, some a crowd definitely can turn some guys on. 
and a crowd definitely could turn some guys off. But yeah, it'll turn me on a little bit extra to hear extra people screaming, my boys, you know, and everyone else, you know, it's definitely a benefit there. But, you know, we're back at the apex for a fifth time, um, trying to get comfortable there too. So we get a little bit more comfortable in the apex. You're kind of comfortable being in uncomfortable places and situations. Looking at your fight record, it's not like you fought like a ton at home or in the States even. Fought Japan, Russia, South Korea, Guam, Philippines. Like you, you're used to fighting in places a lot of your opponents haven't been. You've been traveling all over the world yep. to get to where you are. What is it? What has that path been like for you? Because one thing people don't know is like this isn't the traditional path to getting to the UFC. You didn't just, you know, fight in a local promotion and everything. You took your show on the road. What has that been like for you? And how has that like made your journey here even more special? That's where I gained the most experience and be able to fight guys like Ronnie and Timur Valif. That's where I got, got the attitude from because when someone's, when an organization's flying you out, they're not flying you out to fight no chump. You know, they're flying you out to fight a guy that's worth paying a couple of thousand for someone to fly out and fight. So I was always fighting these toughest guys from all these, all these countries. And yeah, definitely gained a lot of experience, you know, fighting the enemy territory, getting booed when you're winning, you know, a lot of different things going to affect like, yeah, people are going to say you have eight, I have eight losses, but I got five split decision losses. And those are in enemy territory. Like I won those fights. I can, if I was to ever post those fights or play those fights, you guys will go crazy and say I won those fights, you know? The best part about why I'm able to let those fights go is because I still made it to the big leads. And and I, and I get to take that experience with me, you know? That's the only reason why those fights get to get put in the past right now. But if I never made it to the big leads and I had those fights, there will be there will be horrible calls, man. The judges are not always the best fighting in the enemy territory. Like, if I made you guys watch five of those fights, you can easily give me a uh, five of those split decisions fight. You might give me all five, but I guarantee you'll give me four. I guarantee you guys will give me four. And if you give me four of those fights, me and Ryoni's neck and neck. We're neck and neck. That's neck I mean, and you neck. Know who, <clears throat> you know who else had like a bunch of split decision losses and ended up coming up in his career? Jorge Masvidal. Yeah. There was a time Masvidal couldn't win a split decision to save his damn life. But I then when it clicks, it's it crazy clicks. just because of the enemy territory, man. Like, Man, you're getting booed even when you're doing something good in Korea or Japan and you're winning. You're getting booed. Like, you land a kick, it's a hard kick, no reaction. The guy lands a soft comeback kick and they're like, oh, like it's the biggest thing in the world. So enemy territory is definitely, definitely hard, harder maybe to impress the judges, you might want to say, because the judges are not really on your side. The promotion is not really on your side. So that's when it gets tough. But as far as me bringing my skills to the table and being prepared for some of those fights. Like I was fighting the best guys ever since. Like I was fighting the top guys ever since, man. Like that's what I've been doing. You know, um, a lot of guys probably want to be more smart or whatever, but man, you can't be the best of the B team, man. You got to be the best of the A team. So I'm trying to be the best of the A team, bro. Like no matter where it goes, like even fighting Ronnie or someone and I, and then I was to get let go. I can go back and whoop on a couple more guys and I'll be right back because I've been touching that real level, the true level, not the level where you're taking these B-level boys and then they're whipping on you and then you go out and you still get whipped on. Like I'm confident that 
I'm going to have top-notch experience um, going into this fight. I already have. And fighting someone like him is going to give me even more experience. So it's a great opportunity no matter what. I have to ask you about your UFC debut where, again, TKO, amazing debut. It's now a no contest because it happened during a time where the sport was still testing for marijuana. Mm-hmm. And they were stripping wins. We we just saw Nate Diaz fight. And Nate Diaz rolled up in the post-fight press conference smoking after a win. The, the testing has changed so much in two years. Do you feel like, one, they should kind of give you your win back? Like, do you feel like, yo, we need to go back? Because like... I noticed. <laughs> so they changed the rule three months after my win. Three months <laughs> after. Like, how are you going to change that three months after and still hold it against me? Like, somebody should be fighting with me. That's what I'm fighting for me. That's what I feel. Like, someone like my team, my people, we're not going to go in and cry about it. The world saw what happened. I was on 34 hours notice. They called me Wednesday night at around 7 o'clock. I weighed in Friday morning around 11, 9 o'clock. So the weight cut was rough, man. I was huge. I had to make the weight. I made the weight. Like, a lot of these boys are doing catchway, what they did for Chamaya. They didn't come close to doing that for me. They told me I had to make the weight. They made me go outside and run in 118 degrees. They got the plastic for me to run. And I continued to push. And I made the weight. In 34 hours, I cut, like, 16, 17 pounds in 34 hours. It was torture. It was torture. But I got it done. And the UFC made sure I got it done. They're like, oh, it's catchway. You cannot, you cannot be a pound over, nothing like that. I went outside. I got that pound off like a man, man. They're asking me, how do you feel? Of course I feel great. Of course I feel great. But really, you're uh, you're done. You're done. You're done. I, You know, you can't even walk. You can't even move. But, you know, my boys stood behind me. They pushed me. And I went out there and I and I, and I I got the weight out, the extra little pounds off. And then I went back and I came in a pound under. And then the fight. You still got the fight tomorrow night when being at your weakest of weakest. So, of course, in that fight, you're not able to attack back like you want. Your body's fragile. There's certain things that other professionals know because they're also professionals. They're coaches, you know. Um, I got hit with a nice body shot, you know, but I knew I was tough. I knew I was tough. I felt this power. I'm like, oh, man, I got some partners that hit way harder than this. You're you're good. Hang in there. When he slows down, then we're going to put it on him. And that was exactly our game plan when he slows down. Like, I only got to watch Tamir, like, maybe like two, three hours before the fight. Like, that's the only time I saw what he had. And then he was like, whoa, this guy is good. This guy is good. Like, oh, my God, I got to fight this guy right now. Okay. And so it's just, it's it's a tough situation. And that's what gave me the confidence. Like, it, it was a good thing on that night, but it also backfired on me in the Kakramano fight because I had five different opponents for that fight, but my confidence was up high from that fight because what I had already did, I had already... I had already um, beat someone on 34 hours notice, super talented like that. So it had gave me confidence that I can do it again. But, man, those three weight cuts was a different story. It was a different ball game. I was completely, completely drained. I had no explode in me at all. Um, I just couldn't fight like I wanted to fight. And then um, I still think if he cut that four pounds, I would have beat him. I think that would have made the difference in the strength. You know, when I got him down in the second round, I still almost had to finish him. I think he would have been done there. So that four extra pounds, you know, that was smart. That was smart team, smart management. They told a boy to stop cutting weight because, you know, he was going to have to deal with some strength and everything. And that was just a good strategy. And, and it worked. 
And, you know, I'm mad at myself that I let that work on me, man. I should have been smarter. But, you know, like I said, I was I was hungry. I already had flew here all the way from Guam. And I came off that big valley of wind. And then when I fought Mario, Mario was not my original opponent either. When I fought Mario, I was supposed to fight um, Randy Costa that time. I was supposed to fight Randy Costa that time. And he didn't show up. So, man, my whole, I was already going through that switching stuff. So I already had two opponents in the UFC, two wins. And these are both guys I did not prepare for. And then going into my third fight, I had five different opponents. And by the time it got time to watch Karkamanov, I didn't even want to watch him because I already had watched so many guys. And then my game plan was to clinch, pin Ronnie Lawrence on the wall and everything, which I was trying to do to Karkamanov. Next thing you know, you go fight Karkamanov, and he has good wrestling. He has good defense. He's decent. And the game plan should have been switched up. So there was a lot of things that just... It wasn't my night. It just wasn't meant to be my night that night. I accepted it already. But yeah, man, I still think if he if he can't if he came in correct, that four pounds over was the difference because he wasn't drained or nothing, man. He wasn't drained, and I'm drained. Like I just I just didn't fight a couple guys because they didn't make weight, and now I go fight a guy that you bring in to make weight. So I want to get that fight back. I need to win this fight because that's the guy I want to see again. Most definitely, I want to see Kakomanov ASAP. Like. ASAP. As soon as he drops the fight, it's me and Kakomanov. I don't want top 10. I don't want top 15. I want Kakomanov first, and then we'll go ahead and go into that. But that's my that's my go. I will wait for Kakomanov like it's a championship fight. Damn. <laughs> let me ask this, man, before we let you go, because I want to go back on this, this teamer fight, because you had a performance of the night bonus. You cut weight. It was a short notice fight. Did anything in the back of your head said? I might get popped for some weed. Like, and you ain't even, you can't possibly be even thinking about that, trying to jump in a fight on short notice. Like, that's crazy. Bro, so right when the UFC called me, I already reported, bro. I reported I smoked weed, everything. They said oh it was all good. God. That's the first thing I said when I got on the phone. <laughs> I noted it down, everything. I That was the first thing I did. So I was not worried about it because it was already past that process. I didn't know there's an aftermath process that's going to go down. So I already reported that. I, just, I I told him I just got done smoking when they called me. I'm like, I just got done smoking. They got the notes. They know it's true. Um, That's why the UFC didn't penalize me. That's why they didn't touch my bonus. That's why they gave me my full pay, because I did declare it. If I didn't declare it, the UFC would have took my bonus away, and they would have took uh, some of the money away or something. But I did declare it. So in the rule book, if you weren't in the RTP pool and you declared it, it is not a violation. So it wasn't a violation. I did not violate under the UFC. Only the commission decided to do that for against me because I guess, you know, when you're playing with the big boys like Ali's guys, you know, he know what to do. He knows what to do. That's <laughs> a mere talented. You don't want to mirror, you don't want to mirror to take an L from someone with six losses. You're like, nah, we gotta get that back. We gotta get that erased. We don't want to mirror to have a loss to someone with six losses. So yeah, man. Um it just was what it was. It was no way I can win it. I tried to fight it for a little bit. But the things that they were saying could that can happen if you fight it, the way you can they're gonna shelf you and all that, the commission to and I know all the if 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 I knew the fights were back out like it is now, I would have fought it harder because we weren't gonna be fighting in Las Vegas as much. But all my fights have been in Las Vegas, so I had to. Okay, you guys win. I had to. I had no choice, so I didn't give him a hard time. I just said, whatever. I got my money. I did my thing. The world saw. And then that's just what it was, you know? Listen, we're counting that as a W around here. And uh, 
yeah, you know, they can't can't take it away. It was an amazing performance. Looking forward to another amazing performance this weekend. Yes. We appreciate you taking time out, man, from, I would say, a busy week. But this is as normal as a week as you had in the UFC. Yeah, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is part of the game. Um, We got to do this. This helps me lock in a little bit more. This should help a lot of people lock in. You know, you guys get to refresh what I'm going against, what I need to do. And just help me stay a little bit more focused. You know, I can be walking around this hotel right now and 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 not focusing on anything. But you guys bring me back to reality. Hey, you got a fight. You got a big fight. So, you know, there's benefits on both sides. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Trevin Jones fighting this weekend. One hell of a fight. Performance of the night. I'm calling it right now. Let's get this man a bonus. Go home with 50K. Let's be happy. Thank you so much, Trevin. We appreciate you all, as always, for listening to us. Make sure you check out our boxing episode from earlier in the week. Keep your eyes peeled for our wrestling episode, which is coming up later as well. We appreciate you all from here in Blue Wire Studios in Wynn Resort in Vegas. Everyone who helps out the show. Brian, making us look pretty. Anton, on a one and twos. So we appreciate you all. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore Twitter. Corner Club for Life on Instagram. Check out our YouTube where you can watch this show and all the rest of us and and see us and get this amazing quality until next time though we are out peace